Well, now we turn to the scriptures this morning, and I invite you to follow along. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and 11b through 13. Listen now for a word from God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rushing of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews of every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowds gathered, a crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, ¿No son Galileas todos estos que están hablando? ¿Cómo es que uno de nosotros los oyó hablar en su lengua materna? Todos por igual los oímos proclamar en nuestra propia lengua las maravillas de Dios. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, ¿Qué me vora dirá todo esto? But others sneered and said, Zezen vulsus en vina. The word of Lord. Our second scripture reading comes from Romans, chapter 8, verses 22 through 27. Listen again for a word from God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But, the very spirit, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The word of the Lord. I am so glad you did that first reading, Graham. Thank you. I want to thank all of you uh, for being here virtually and in person this morning. Uh, we have people here from as far away as Florida uh, who made a point, must have gotten up very early this morning, but uh, we're so grateful to be together on this Pentecost Sunday. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, may the meditations of our hearts together on your word today as you always do, give us life. And may we, as your people, share that gift of abundant life with the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Scholar N.T. Wright is really uh, one of the star New Testament Christian theologians and biblical scholars in the world today, says, these verses from Romans chapter 8, which Graham just read, stand at the very heart of Paul's description of the Christian life, set within the still-to-be-redeemed world on the one hand, and held within the powerful love of God on the other. These verses stand at the very heart of the Christian life. I have this crazy dog named Percy, named after Percy Jackson, if you know who that is. Um, Percy's a four-year-old male dog, and when he gets a notion, he will run around the house, I really should say tear around the house at full speed, just jumping up on whatever it is and just like flying over it, running around in circles. He even goes upstairs and runs around, downstairs and runs around, and comes up, and then he exhausts himself and he conks out on the kitchen floor. Sometimes it's a little bit scary. We don't know if he's going to break something or run into one of us. We just sort of sit back and watch him go. Percy is let loose on the house. There's an old saying that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was let loose on the world and started flowing and blowing and tearing around and nothing has ever been the same. In the story that, Ram, that Graham just read in a multilingual fashion, tongues of fire appeared on the gathered disciples. All of a sudden, not just the disciples, not just Jesus' followers who were there, but anybody who has happened to be in Jerusalem at that time, these pilgrims who came from different places, spoke different languages, they could all understand each other. And that's the birth of the Christian church, this doing away with, erasing of barriers between people. But the Holy Spirit being loosed on the world goes back a lot farther than the book of Acts and the beginning of the Christian church. In the very first verse of the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, one of my favorite Hebrew sentences, my favorite sentences anywhere, the Ruach was merakethiting over the tovu wabvohu. Now, if you don't know what that means... In English, it's something like the Holy Spirit, the Spirit was hovering over a formless void. Tovu wavohu, terrible pronunciation, is, that, is the only time in any literary instance that that, was, that word is being used. We don't really know what that word means. It's translated in our text, formless void. It used to be, back in my day, the firmament. The Spirit hovered over this formless orderless, lifeless void, and the voice of God said, let there be light, and there was evening, and night, and the first day, and God said it was good. You all know what the Spirit is, you've all experienced it, even if you don't know, theolog or not, you're not conversant in theological uh, discourse, it's how your favorite song makes you feel. How our choir, our children's choir, our adult choir, our joyful noise choir makes us feel. That's the Holy Spirit. It's when you're laughing so hard with your oldest friend that milk or something else comes out of your nose and your ears. You're, it's just so much, it's so funny. And you're so yourself and so relaxed. That's the Holy Spirit. When you're in Yosemite and looking up at Half Dome or pick your favorite place of nature. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
brings life. The Holy Spirit gets things started, obviously. To get anything started, we need a healthy dose of the Spirit, which is in the Christian triune uh, understanding, the Holy Spirit is God with us, God's presence. And today is the birthday of the church when we have balloons and fire and music and fun and celebrate the start of everything. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit does a lot more than start things. In fact, starting things, getting them cranked up, so to speak, is not even what the Spirit does best. What does the Holy Spirit do best, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Because I can't really find it in the famous spirit stories in Acts and Genesis. It turns out you have to look elsewhere in the Bible, your roadmap, your exploring and adventure guide, your gift of love. In the Gospel of John, Jesus himself, as he's getting ready to leave his disciples in this world, says, I am going, but I'm going to ask my Father, which is the word and the name Jesus used for God, to give you the Spirit, the Advocate, the, in Greek, parakletos, the paraclete. And he doesn't use, in that particular text, the re- usual Greek word for spirit, panuma. He uses parakletos, right, which is helper. And that is what the Spirit really does what it does best. Now, a lot of you know that I'm a big movie fan. I'm not a big fan of sequels, with the exception of Star Wars, really. And I'm kind of ambivalent about Tom Cruise, even though he's from Glen Ridge. But I guess, based on the reviews, I'm going to have to go see Top Gun 2. Who's seen Top Gun 2? Any good? All right. I'm kind of missing Kelly McGillis, but all right, I'll try it out. And though I'm ambivalent about Tom Cruise as a person, though I don't know him as a person, but what I see, I love Tom Cruise movies. The guy's good, right? Um, Tropic Thunder, Risky Business, All the Right Moves, Rain Man, Color of Money, Mission Impossible, A Few Good Men, The Firm. Great film. The Outsiders, I could go on and on. There are some duds in there too, but the guy can act. And he can definitely bring in the viewers, right? My favorite Tom Cruise movie by far, though, is Jerry Maguire. Right? Sports agent, on top of the world, rich, young, good-looking, socially successful, let's put it that way. Uh, But he becomes disenchanted with his sort of money-grubbing money-focused life and career, he decides to start putting people before money and immediately is fired from the firm he started because it's about making money, apparently, sports agent business. He loses every last one of his clients except one, Rod Tidwell, a kind of feisty, sarcastic, not very well, uh, well, let's just put it this way, Cuba Gooding Jr. plays this, this uh, a bad-behaved wide receiver to the TT won an Oscar for it. And there are some famous lines in this film. You know them and I know them. You had me at hello. Show me the money. And I love some of the not-so-famous lines. At his lowest point, after he's lost all of his clients, especially the number one draft pick, uh, Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, says to Rod Tidwell, Cuba Gooding Jr., 
You see this jacket I'm wearing? You like it? I don't need it because I am cloaked in failure. I lost the number one draft pick the night before the draft. Why? Let's recap. Because a hockey player's kid made me feel like a superficial jerk, I had two slices of bad pizza and grew a conscience. And then later, he says to his only client now, I am out here for you. You don't know what it's like to be me out here for you. It's an up-at-dawn, pride-swallowing siege that I will never fully tell you about, okay? And of course, the response to that, I have to sort of edit, is boo-hoo. <laughs> but my favorite line is, help me help you. Help me help you. Help me help you. And friends, that line is my favorite line because we all need help. Again, N.T. Wright, the New Testament scholar, says, Paul, in this passage from Romans, needs to explain why, if all that has been said about Christ and the Spirit is true, things are still so often painful and also why we Christians can nevertheless be confident. As bad as things are, I'm not going to take the time here right now to describe for you what you already know, how bad things are right now. About five, six years ago, I seem to recall thinking to myself, you know, as I move into my mid-50s, that was five, six years ago, life is kind of boring and sedate, you know, and then right around 2016, things started getting exciting. And boy, I wish for boring. Things are hard. There are so many ways and reasons for that. When we don't know what to do in these kinds of days, when we've tried everything, when we don't know what to say, when we've said everything and still things are bad, this is when the parakletos, the spirit, the helper, goes to work because that's what the Spirit does best. In verse 22, Paul writes, we know the whole creation has been groaning together. We groan with the weight of how hard things can be, how difficult they, are, they can be to understand. The why. Why are people suffering? Why do innocent people suffer, especially? Why are these things happening? Why do they keep coming like waves hitting us on the shore, flooding us? not just our basements, but our lives. Well, for one thing, in the theology of the Christian church and the Holy Spirit, it's because a new and better world, when it comes, is not an escape from this one, but rather a transformation of the present world, a lot like the birth of a child. In the Jewish and pagan culture of Paul's day in the first century CE, a baby wasn't just a new life in and of itself. A baby also is the transformation of the mother's life, and I would say the whole family's life. But especially the mother's. She delights in her child and in the way her life has now been changed for the better because of the pain of labor. Right? So the Spirit makes Christians hope not a dualist hope of escaping the bad so we can live only in the good, but rather one of continuity between the present 
no matter how hard it might be, and the future, which we know will be better. And we live with that hope. But we groan as we wait for it. We groan because we've been given a gift. We've been given a gift of the first fruits of the Spirit. That's what all these, these red, these, these flames, these flowers symbolize for us. When we think of laughing with our loved ones, or listening to our favorite music, or being together with people who make us feel completely authentically ourselves, we are getting a little anticipatory gift from God about what the future will hold. The future that we are moving toward, even if we can't see how or why it will happen. So we groan because we know there's something better coming. My dog, Percy, if you say the words, I can't even say it out loud, W-A-L-K, right? He starts groaning. He has his ears perked up, right? He, he knows there's something better. And all of a sudden, he's acting like he's in great pain. But he's really in this excited anticipation. That's why, what he's waiting. That's how he's waiting. Paul describes that waiting, too, with us. We wait, he says, with patience. In English, it sounds kind of, you know, um, I guess, frankly, very Presbyterian, you know, quietly waiting with patience. But in Greek, it's a little more dynamic. The word apodekometha means to wait with excited expectation, almost like Christmas morning. Or if you were Percy, right before you go for a walk. That's the hope in which we are saved, Paul says. And we wait for it with excited expectation. N.T. Wright says, hope is built into the Christian experience from the start. But if that is so, Paul is saying, I can't expect present Christian living to be anything other than a matter of straining forward all the time. To be a Christian is to live with dissonance, right? We're not going to pretend that everything's okay. If we can make our little corner of experience as safe and as uncomfortable and as enjoyable as we can with money or resources or friends or family, because that never works for very long anyway. No, we embrace the fact that there is a difference between the now and the not yet. God in the Spirit is already with us, but because of that, we know things can be better. We know things can be more just, more peaceful, more fair, not just for us, but for all of God's children. And we are, by definition, not happy yet because none of us is free until all of us are free and until the spirit that flows freely in everyone's life. Christian living is straining forward in exciting Excited expectation. And finally, Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The world does not tell us to admit that we are human, does it? We have to be strong. We have to have, you know, my Facebook and Instagram photos have got to somehow get rid of these multiple extra chins that I have. It's very difficult at this stage of my life, right? We only tell ourselves, not just the rest of the world, that we're fine, that we're good, that everything's fine. But it's not, it's not always true. Life is nuanced. Life is full of highs and lows. The Spirit helps us not just in the peaks, but also, Paul says, in our weakness. And weakness in the Pauline sense is the present state of things. The way things are right now, not yet fully redeemed. 
We can't see where we're going. We can't figure out how to get there. That's why we need a map. That's why we need inspiration of the stars to tell us to keep searching, keep looking, keep going. Because when you can't see what you eagerly hope for, you need some help. And that help, that assistance, is what the Holy Spirit, the paracletus, the paraclete, provides. That's how it works. That's why we celebrate it one day of the year, because it works every day of the year. And the help that the Spirit gives us, interestingly, is the same word that Martha uses in Luke when she demands that Jesus make her sister Mary help her. Right? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And for the Christian, it's precisely at the point of our most honest weakness and strength that is the, the, the triune God is revealed in our lives. Because we let God in. We can't, we don't know how to pray even. We don't know what to do. And yet the helper comes up alongside us, guides us into the future, into a better day in ways that we could never have imagined, let alone created on our own. There's a story of an old violin player who explained to one of his students, his music students, why his violin had such quality and sound. His violin was made from a certain kind of European tree, but not all of this kind of tree would do. The trees in this forest were sheltered by their neighbors, and most of those trees that were sheltered won't do for my kind of violin, he explained. Fine violins, he said to his students, come from the lonely trees that grow on the hillsides where the wind twists them and the sun beats up on them and where the roots have to search deeply every day for water and where they have to become hardy in order to survive. So the Christian is the stronger and lives a more abundant, honest, full life who faces and overcomes the trials of straining and looking forward with eager expectation to a day that is better than this one because the Spirit, having given us as adopted children the first fruits, has shown us in glimpses that there is a better day coming. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Please stand with me as we sing... As we please stand as I pray the prayer of dedication over the offering. The Spirit moved in my heart and I changed my mind. Let us pray. Oh God, bless what we give with the gift of the Spirit. Bring life in and through our financial gifts. That people will know that they are loved. And that we will know that even in our uncertainty and in our limitations, you are at work even now bringing forth life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.